Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California, IA. That gentleman on the end of the phone is Johnny Summers. Yep, and that gentleman on the other end of my earphones is Max Minardi. What's happening? What is happening, sir? How you doing? Oh, you caught me mid-sip. I was just <laughs> sipping my beer, and I just spilled it everywhere. Uh, you get a citation, because you were not supposed to be drinking that beer yet. I tried to answer you, though. I'm so dedicated to co-hosting. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I love uh, it. We're, yeah, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great, though. Uh Having a good day so far. How are you? Good, man. Yeah, we're. I'm feeling warmed up. Uh, if you're if you're not on our Patreon, you won't know this, but we just finished up recording a bonus uh, top five list of our favorite Disney Pixar films, and uh, I suppose that's as good enough a segue as any to mention that if you'd like to support our show, you can find us on Patreon.com/slash Fresh Hop Cinema. You can give us a buck or two or three, as many as your heart desires, and uh, you give that to us on a per episode basis or monthly. And in exchange, we give you access to fun bonus content like the list I just mentioned. Um, sometimes spontaneous movie reviews, brewery reviews, uh, random hypotheticals that Johnny comes up with on a whim. That's all on Patreon. If you don't want to dive that deep, you can just find us on our normal social medias, uh, namely Instagram and Twitter. We're at Fresh Hop Cinema. Johnny Summers is mostly in charge of curating a pretty sexy uh, gallery on our Instagram. I quite like it. If you want to find us for movie and beer reviews, you can hit us up on Letterboxd and Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or if you like one of us more than the other, you can just search our names. Uh, Johnny, if yeah. you want to send us an email, where can they do it? FHCcast at gmail.com. Easy enough. And for crying out loud, if you're listening and you like the show, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Most importantly, I think that's where like 80% of our traffic goes. But if you listen on some little mom and pop podcast provider, give us an old rating there and uh, say hello to everybody in the Midwest because that's probably where you are. Yeah, if you have an Android, you obviously live in the Midwest. <laughs> wow. Um, so, um, 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 any other housekeeping? Uh, no, that's it. Look forward to everyone's feedback on our Patreon bonus episode it was a lot of fun doing the top five pixar films if yeah i'm again with max like what you said if you're not on there you should check it out it's fun we're gonna have some fun interaction gonna talk a bunch of trash about who picked what pixar movie so check it out in the meantime i'm ready to drink some beer yeah man it's it's the beginning of january i picture uh, a very cold journey and you you throwing off your overcoat as you get home knocking the mud off your boots because you just took a trip did you not i did i did i was Playing video games on Saturday morning and and having some caffeine and just messing around on Instagram like you do and just saw that Ronin Fermentation was doing a can release and they were going to have dock sales hours from like noon to five this last Saturday. So Ronin Fermentation? What the heck's that? Yeah, man. Ronin <laughs> Fermentation is a brewing project started up in Gray Eagle, California by a guy named Charlie Johnson. I actually got to meet Charlie and spend a couple hours with him. I think it was a couple hours. might have been like an hour. Not sure. Anyway, we were hanging out in the brew house, and he showed me around because he was super stoked that I drove all the way up from Chico. Super nice guy. Uh, fantastic talker. I really enjoyed listening to him explain a bunch of stuff. Um, so I ended up leaving my house just on a whim to drive up there because I wanted something to do and ended up meeting a really cool guy and picking up beer for the show this week. So 
That is the the TLDR. Yeah, uh, if you've never been, Gray Eagle is up Highway 70. Basically, if you're going to be driving to Truckee uh, and you wanted to go up Highway 70, you would just drive up 70 and turn right, and then you'd be at Ronan Fermentation right when you turn right. And if you live so. uh, not in California, it's basically the same as Chico, as far as anybody's concerned. <laughs> if you live in a different state, it's Northern California. It's uh, just up there somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm glad I'm glad you had a good trip, man. I'm super stoked to drink these beers. We actually got uh, a bonus beer, I think, on the good graces of Charlie as well. We're doing sort of for our second beer, and I think this is the first time we've done this on the show. We're going to put a base beer and its variant side by side. And in this case, it's a Koji beer. We'll hear more about that a little bit later. But one is sort of the standard and one has raspberries. Uh, yeah. So that's just fun. That, yeah, totally. And he was like, if you're reviewing it, you can't and not do the original. It's like, okay, totally. man. You say so, I will drink your beer. Yes, deal. Uh, yeah, it was a fun trip, and he actually hinted at possibly getting both of us up there to brew some beer. Oh, that'd be great. So, yeah, he said maybe someday we can get up for a brew day, and he can show us how it all works. Charlie, stuff, let's so. do it, man. That sounds like yeah. so much fun. Seriously. So, uh, and before I glow too much about the brewery or the location, because it is beautiful, it's yeah. just in the middle of a forest, and he was fortunate enough to just, like, pick anywhere and just buy a piece of land and like he didn't have to it was all like out of pocket it's not no debt no banking so it's basically he's in control of everything built the whole building to his specifications very cool so his background is actually in um he like does like a ton of brewing consulting so like if a brewery wants to open up he will go to them figure out what they're all about what would work for him and then help them select a brewing system and then help them set it up and help them recipe develop stuff like that and he's also a teacher up at the school in yakima valley i want to say it's the yakima valley like hops yeah college or something like that i can't remember specifically but pretty cool stuff guy guy knows a lot and is super super humble and soft-spoken about it which i really appreciated but we should drink some of his beer. What do you think? Yeah, I'm super down. I'm, I'm as much as I am excited to both drink and learn about a Koji beer. Yeah, let's start with the style that we both know and love, uh, Pilsner. This is their Alpenglow Pilsner. It's it's a sweet little 4.4%. Um, all I know is that it's made with New Zealand Cascade hops. Johnny, maybe you can tell me a little bit more. Yeah, so this is a humble pale Pilsner brewed with floor-malted German barley, German Tetnang hops, and a German Pilsner yeast. It's going to be light, refreshing, and unfiltered. Alpenglow took 10 weeks to lager and pours a pale yellow. I am opening mine now. Have you opened yours? I'm guessing that's the beer that you admitted to be uh, to sip up, to sipping on earlier in the show. <laughs> yeah. I okay. Did. Well, that's maybe a good sign. Why don't you give me your first impressions on on taste and smell and looks and and the whole thing? It is uh like a, a definitely a pale yellow. It is super super clear and very effervescent. It's almost got like a a champagne bubbly with from that pilsner yeast. Uh, from the bottom, it's super bubbly and effervescent, and I really like it uh, as far as the way it looks, the way it smells. It poured super, super clean. Um, it looks to be a very true-to-form German Pilsner. It's it's what I've learned you might call a crispy boy. Just staring yeah, at it, taste. I, I just had my first sip. It before I even tasted though, it smelled. It smelled almost like um, like an American lager kind of thing, um, and I didn't really get a lot of that sort of spice note that I get in some Pilsners, but then I drank it and all of that flavor that you would expect comes on the afterburner, which I super enjoy because it gives it a little bit of oomph, but then cleans away or clears away in a really clean way. Mm-hmm. Uh, first impression, I am, am quite a fan. Yeah, this beer is tremendous. I was 
I, I did a party foul and actually drank some of this. I had opened this beer thinking we were jumping right into this episode, but we were recording our bonus stuff for content for Patreon first. And so I had a, a bit of a sneak preview with this, and it's been really hard for me to keep my mouth shut because this is so damn good. Mm. This is like completely true to to style and like nearly flawless like it's so clean it's so bitter but in the right ways like oh man it's got everything you want and really not much of the things you don't like i really enjoy the hoppiness out of this like for a a, what they're calling a pale pilsner you get a real hop punch in this which is fantastic because in this style of beer, there's nowhere for the hops to hide. There's very simple ingredients. There's really nowhere for flaws to hide because it is such a straightforward style. Um, and a lot of people, if they screw a beer up like this, will just dump hops in or like <laughs> yeah, dry yeah, hop yeah. it to make it like better. But for me, like this is so crisp and clean. And then the hops just are kind of pushed to the forefront by just like oh, this is good, but also these are great too. And we're doing this too in, you know, collaboration with this beer. It's not like, I don't know. All these ingredients are working really well together for me. This is a fantastically well-made beer. Yeah, man, I, I agree. Like I, I had the other day, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even feel bad about bragging about this. They've been with us for so long. I love the handlebar. We talk about it every single week. Um, and every time I go there, almost bar none, I have a Trumer Pilsner. We've talked mm-hmm. about Trumer. It feels like a thousand times on this show. And it's an amazing- yeah. American made German style Pilsner. I love it. It is a, it's a favorite of yours and mine, like yeah, for life. It's I exemplar. Love it's so, and like, you can find it most of the time and it's always fresh because people drink it. Um, the other ones that come to mind when I think of sort of popular accessible Pilsners, at least in California are like the Pivo pills from Firestone, which is pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, what's there's one from victory. Um, oh man, I can picture it, but I can't a think Pilsner. Of yeah. Uh, uh, um, oh, Prima Pilsner looked it up. Oh Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really have strong feelings about that one, but certainly Trumer and even the Pivo pills from Firestone, like this is, this is right up there with them. Um, and on yeah. a much smaller scale, I was looking on untapped here to see just how many ratings there were. Um, cause I wanted to kind of get a gauge of the size of Ronan fermentation project. And there are 22 unique ratings of this beer, which is, um, <laughs> which is very, very small. Um, and speaks to how much of a great little hidden secret this is. Yeah, man. So basically the way it works is you follow them on Instagram and you see that they're going to have a sale and then you drive to Gray Eagle. That's the only way to get their beer. Yeah. And Charlie was saying that once they're out, they're out. Like they didn't have a beer for like five weeks because they sold out in one day when they didn't think they were going to. And it's just situational. But that's kind of like his emphasis on quality over quantity is allowing that 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 quality to really shine through that like if this isn't your sole source of income this is literally a passion project just to make the most kick-ass beer possible just make as much as is right for the batch and then when it's gone it's gone i um admire that i appreciate the heck out of that because it's not you know you're not making this beer for profit you're making it because you want to make amazing beer and for me that shows massively in this liquid i don't know if it's a fair criticism and i I certainly I'm going to try not to dock this beer points for this, but I am sort of upset that I can't just get more on a whim. (laughs) So I I also respect like, yeah, that's a cool move. Do it. Uh, The selfish part of me is like, I want, I I get Charlie, excuse me. Uh, More please. (laughs) Like I want to go down to the bar and get this, you know, please. Could I have more? Yes. More more please. Um, I had, I didn't try this while I was up there. Caveat. This is, I bought a four pack 
with my own money apart from podcast just to have. Um, and I have not touched it. I've had it since Saturday and it's been in my fridge and I'm like, I'm going to maintain my purity for the show. <laughs> I'm going to like, cause I wanted to give it like a real fair shake. Yeah. I didn't want to go into this already have killed a four pack. Being yeah. like, it's, it's all right. Yeah. I got it's you. All right. But yeah, I wanted it to be a true opinion first impression. Um, uh, but now that I have had this, I have to say that I am very, 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 very pleased that I grabbed an extra four pack so I can drink the rest of that. Uh, yeah, fair enough, man. Also, I wanted to say for reference, I did look up Chumer Pilsner on Untapped, and it has about mm-hmm. eleven thousand ratings. So, okay, some some sense of scale. If you're wondering, yeah. sort of the size difference between or d- distribution at least and uh, yeah, production, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, do you have any more thoughts on this before we rate it? Uh, I do not. I don't know what else there's to say. It's it's really close to perfect, and you're going to ask me why it's not a 10, and I I just don't know if I have, like, a specific answer. Um, but this is up there with, with any Pilsner I've ever had, honestly. And for it to be such a small batch beer in such a small part of the world and made with such love and attention to detail, I think uh, bumps it up and puts it into a, a category kind of all its own, so... Uh, I'm going to rate this very highly, but that's all I have to say about it, I think. Okay, then let's take a quick second and drop in what uh, Charlie himself has to say about it, and then we will we'll give it our, our official ratings. So the first beer is our Alpenglow Pilsner. Um, I think the largest inspiration of this is just a continental European pills, um, Czech pills, uh, German pills. Uh, I could go really all into it, but uh, also brewing up in Portland for a long time, we had a lot of great lager brewers um, that are just making amazing Pilsner uh, upright, uh, Wayfinder, uh, you, you know, you have Chuck and I up in Seattle. These places are, I think, really influential to me as a brewer. So we were just trying to do our best and give our best representation. Um, we do lager our pills for one week every degree play-doh and it's a 10 play-doh beer so this beer actually takes around just over three months to make and uh we really feel like you know spunding and recrousing our beer and lagering tanks gives it a softer mouthfeel and lets the minerality and kind of nuanced tetanang hops really come through Thanks again, Charlie. Appreciate the insight. Johnny Summers, let's give Alpenglow Pilsner a rating. What do you got? Okay. Well, for me, this beer is world-class. Like I said, it's up there in the echelons of of any Pilsner I've ever had. And uh, I want to go open another one right now. I mean, my beer's already gone. Yeah. I had a significant amount left, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. So infinitely crushable, fantastically hopped, and made with care and attention. I love it, man. This beer's a 9.5 for me. Oh, man. So close to 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 reaching the very top. But that's I'm, that's an incredible rating, man. 9.5 is amazing. Um, I, I suppose I will ask, because it is sort of par for the course, why is it not a 10? And you could probably flip that on me in a moment, so I'll throw you the same lifeline I'm about to throw myself, which is that we rate all of our beers here on a scale of one to 10 and Pilsners get thrown in the same hat as, uh, you know, Koji beers or Imperial stouts. So for me, Pilsner just isn't the most exciting revolutionary style that I will drink on this show. And that might be a weird bias, but it's, I don't know that a Pilsner can ever reach a 10. So maybe that's I think why it could. you think that. Well, because now, because I judge pretty much stylistically, that's like true. this is a, this is a 9.5 out of Pilsner's for me. Mm-hmm. Like this is a 9.5 Pilsner. 
I wouldn't put this up against like a 9.5 anything else because that's, that's how right. I, I roll. Um, it's it's or else you'll just get overwhelmed. Personally, I I couldn't keep it all straight in my yeah. head if I was like, how does this rank against every beer I've ever had in my life? You have to almost put it in its own little box and then see where it sits with its peers. But I think that's that's fair to a beer. Um, but you know, there's a couple reasons it's not a ten for me. Um, I'm gonna leave this brewery room to see if they can do better. Like if they could make something that I like more. I don't know. I don't think there's much I would change about this beer. Um, You're like the parent yeah. of the kid that's running track and like beats everybody's ass and comes in first and like they come in for some parental like pats on the back and you go, you could be faster though. Yeah. Like that was a great you know? race, but you could do better. Yeah. Exactly. Which oftentimes leads to really good, you know, leads to really good uh, athletes and emotional breakdowns, but such is greatness, I suppose. Aim for yeah, the stars. Exactly. But yeah, there's um it's funny. Um, I don't know. I just I don't feel like it's a 10. I don't feel like it's perfect. I think it's damn near perfect. It's one of the most perfect pilsners I've ever had. But I'm not gonna I mean, half a point is not there's not many flaws to pick out no. there. So I'm gonna leave that alone. But I am gonna share a quote from uh Charlie, and it was I can't remember what the philosophy was, but it was some I want to say Japanese philosophy mm-hmm. as far as like always improving. Sure. I mean, all he said was, we're not a good brewery yet. Maybe next week. Yeah, totally. I'm like, I love that. That's cool. I dig that. So nine, five for me, Max Alpenglow Pilsner, Ronin fermentation. What What are your thoughts? I'm in the exact same, uh, I'm in the exact same body of water that you are. We're maybe in a little bathtub. We were so close together on this. I want to, I'm going to give it a nine. Just because I don't really get into the decimals as much, but I feel the exact same way as you do. Um, my only difference is I don't know that this could be any better. I think it's great. It's just a feeling. It doesn't feel like a 10. I think I think 10s sort of exist in this weird ethos of of not necessarily logic, but it's this combination of like check marks on paper and a feeling in your gut slash mouth and, and like a, sort of a wow factor that you can't necessarily put your finger slash tongue on. And it's not that, but it's so, so good. Like I wouldn't change anything about this beer. It's fantastic. I drink it again. I want more. Um, all in all, so, so happy about our first, uh, our first go around with, with Ronan. Hell yeah, absolutely. Super high on this brewery. Okay. Well, we need, we need, we need to take a fresh hop cinema field trip up there. Yeah. I'm super down. I was going to say, if you need to uh, find something to fill your glass, I'm going to keep drinking this, but I'd love to play you a trailer for the new Disney Pixar film soul. If you would allow me to. Yeah. Hit that trailer. Let's get into it. What the, what is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Howdy, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interests before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> oh, 
Hey, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't... We can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! That's weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day, and I count every single one of them. The count's off. That was a trailer for Soul, the 2020 Disney Pixar flick that we just watched on Disney+. Synopsis is as follows. Joe Gardner is a middle school teacher with a love for jazz music. After a successful gig at the Half Note Club, he suddenly gets into an accident that separates his soul from his body and is transported to the U Seminar, a center in which souls develop and gain passions before being transported into a newborn child. Joe must enlist help from other souls in training, like 22, a soul who has spent eons in the U Seminar in order to get back to Earth. Right. It's a film directed by Pete Doctor, who's long been involved with Disney Pixar films. He's directed uh, Monsters, Inc., Up, Inside Out. He's also written on a bunch that I don't have in front of me. But he also wrote the screenplay with help from Mike Jones and Kemp Powers. This film stars primarily Jamie Foxx as Joe Gardner, and Tina Fey plays 22. There's a whole list of other people we'll talk about as we get into the plot of this thing. But, Johnny, like you said, we watched it on Disney+. Plus. It came out Christmas Day 2020. I believe you and I were busy that day putting out an awesome Christmas special that's still available to watch and listen to. And this film runs an hour and 49 minutes long, sir, per tradition. Uh, I will throw it to you first, though this week, this movie was, I believe, your suggestion. So I also want to throw it to you because of that. Uh, What did you expect from this movie? What did you know going in? What did you think? Expected, knew pretty much nothing other than this was getting a lot of buzz. I had uh, read a few things online and spoken, excuse me, burp, spoken to a couple people. Uh, that were very excited about it and that it was, you know, possibly one of the best movies of the year. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Mm. And then I remembered it was 2020 and I was like, well, it could be possible. It's a weird year. You know, I'm going to give it a a fair shake. So expectations super low, just knew it was a Disney Pixar flick uh, and kind of went from there. What I found was a, a heartfelt little movie about a man that was a little bit lost in life and, uh, maybe thinks that he blew it a little. And it was a really interesting, introspective kind of tug at the heartstrings, but it also made you, you know, look at yourself and tackle some bigger issues. Like, you know, what what does it all mean? What mm-hmm. am I doing with my life? Right. It very, very much so turns the lens inward onto the viewer while you're watching it. But in a, a fun, lighthearted, jokey, kind of soft around the edges, neon light, style that only disney pixar can do uh yeah i've never had so much existential angst while still be entertained and giggling yeah, so yeah yeah uh it hit a really weird balance in that way but it was kind of an enjoyable one for sure uh i liked the story overall and i liked the music i loved i knew you would love the amount of jazz that was in oh sure movie. um but i thought it was a really interesting kind of take on you know age-old questions and that's 
what Disney Pixar has been doing quite a bit as far as, you know, movies like Coco and from the sounds of it Inside Out, which I've never seen, but yeah. I'm going to watch. Stop yelling at me. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, even like Monsters, Inc., you have to look at all these movies are tackling big issues in in small chunks of time. And I think this movie fits right into that. And I think it was really well done. It was an enjoyable experience. It was serious without being heavy handed, uh, very entertaining and and honestly pretty memorable. So this movie left me pretty, pretty warm to bubbly on this. I think I liked it a lot. What did you think? Yeah, man, I really enjoyed it too. Obviously, the, the jazz thing is good. I also had to set aside sort of my personal feelings. This is a story about a professional musician who on paper has sort of failed at that. And that's in huge quotes, by the way, um, but has now sort of in his in his mind sort of settled to become a music teacher. And his his mother is constantly on his back about like, you need to do something. You're you're not gonna whatever, you're not gonna hit X, Y, and Z in goals. And I swear to you, one of the, like, I don't know if Disney Pixar had bugged my home over the past, you know, 10 years or so, but there are several conversations. I was like, did you, did you talk to my mom? Like, was she one of your, <laughs> one of your sample groups? Cause like, um, man, I don't know as, as a performing musician, obviously less so this past year, like some of that really hit home, like what you're saying for, for different reasons, I guess. But, um, I, th- I think that music stuff aside, or at least sidebarred for a minute, like ever since inside out was released in 2015, like there's been this sort of undertone of existential, um, questioning at the very least in several of these movies. Like, like you said, Coco comes to mind onward deals with sort of death. Coco obviously does. Yeah. Like there's, I don't know. It took a turn and it's, it's, it's this kind of movie. It's this kind of quote unquote children's movie that appeals to adults. It, it, it appeals to adults in a way that isn't necessarily like the, the type of movie where like you, the parents would look at each other over their kids' heads in the theater and be like, you hear that sexual innuendo that our kids didn't get. It's a movie that appeals to grownups. I would say maybe even more so than children, at least in a deeper way. Um, and I think as far as Disney Pixar films go, this is probably their most ambitious and um, what's the right word? Um, not intangible, but uh, least concrete and make, like most philosophical and sort of um, theoretical kind of thing. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff we'll talk about, about sort of like the afterlife that goes against um, mainstream sort of heaven and hell stuff. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting. I love conceptually what they're trying to pull off. I, I think the animation here was great, by the way. Like some of the, you know, other plane sort of, an, like there's a lot of harsh lines and like weird geometric figures. Um, so visually it's great. I think performances are pretty great here. Um, Tina Fey does a lot of work in the third act to kind of, well, I, I mean, so does Jamie Foxx. They're all really good. Um, I liked it a whole lot, man. It's um, as we talked about in our, in our top five uh, Pixar movies, this, this, made it into on, on Patreon. This made it into my top five. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I can't wait to talk about it a little bit more once we get into spoilers, but um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about uh, initially before we sort of start giving stuff away? Uh, I love Jamie Foxx. I thought he was a fantastic voice actor in this movie, and I loved uh, the animation style. I feel like uh, the character of Joe Gardner really kind of moved in a way that reflected Jamie Foxx's voice acting very well. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the, the voice acting fit with the animation in a way that was, was pretty, pretty pleasing. And I also loved the, the color scheme in this movie just yeah. from the, the alternative planes of existence to the, uh, the pirate ship floating oh, in the, the field yeah. of lost souls. That was so <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of really neat stuff in this movie and they made they made Earth feel 
really like Earth, and they mm-hmm. they made the other planes feel very foreign, but just in a way that was like foreign but familiar. It was a really impressive job of animation. I have to say, I was I was very pleased with the aesthetics of this movie. Yeah, I think all of the ethereal stuff you're saying was great, but in particular, like New York City is, I think, often tough to get right in, especially animation. Um, but they really captured sort of like the feel of, I haven't been to New York a ton of times, but you know, I spent some time there once or twice. I was like, Oh yeah, I think like, I don't get it. I'm not a New Yorker, but like I could pick out New York in a movie. And like you're saying, this did a really good job of sort of capturing the essence of, of New York at a certain point in time. I thought that was really good. It's a hard thing to do. There was actually a point where they were walking through a neighborhood and I was like, I know that neighborhood. I've been there in Spider-Man. Oh, that's, that's, Totally true. I bet. Isn't that, but yeah, cause there was that game that just came out and it was all oh, open world, yeah, but yeah. it was on the Island of New York. Great game. And I was like, um, wow. Like I've actually been there. Like I've swung around in this neighborhood. Like that's weird. And I recognized it. Yeah. Isn't that's that just, such a weird thing. I that happened to me with, uh, I was I, for one time in my life, I put like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and I went to Santa Monica and I was like, Oh shit. Like I've been to this pier before. Like, very, I know. What's very up? strange. It was like very matrix feeling. I was like, am I in, am I in the machine or is right? the machine in me? I don't get it. Yeah, but I mean, that's also like a testament to the universality of some some geographical locations. Totally. Uh, okay, anything in this movie not work for you? Um, there was a bit much like rules and stipulations and guidelines and new terms that were just like all kind of thrown at you. And that once once they got to the afterlife where it kind of was like, okay, they need this to get this. And then like, yeah. okay, it wasn't overly complicated, but it was also like, all right, I have to pay attention to this Disney Pixar movie more than I thought I was going to to catch these details. It was almost science fictiony in the way yep. that the details are important to the plot. And I think that was I wouldn't say that's a negative, but it definitely wasn't as expected uh, for me. I almost would look at that more as cuz you know the kids watching this aren't picking up on those things, and I still think that you could get the same message and almost the same experience from this movie. I would probably make the case that those details you're describing are something that if you decided to dig a little deeper or watch a little closer would just sort of uh, amplify the the experience in general. Yeah, it definitely did. But like I said, it wasn't like, it's not a negative. It was just unexpected, but yeah, I've been watching a ton of star Trek lately and it reminded me very much. So of just like the detail oriented plot progression in some of those classic science fiction type shows. And I was like, huh, Interesting. All right. I'm in. You got me. I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention because they need to fill that last bubble. And I know why now. Right. Totally. It's yeah, it's a little MacGuffin there, but it's fine. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> the first time I sort of laughed out loud was right after, um, he's fallen through the manhole and, and died or sort of almost died. And he ends up on, on this sort of intergalactic, not intergalactic, but you know, you get the idea. It's a little bridge floating through space at a 45 degree angle, like an escalator. And he's going towards the light, right? Uh, and he's just him and he looks around those other people and they're all old and like, oh, I lived a full life. And then he's like, I'm not doing this. He runs back. And then you see kind of the first person that was behind him hit it. And there's, if you don't think of it, it's probably not obvious, but my first thought was a bug zapper. <laughs> and it's just, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like, that's a, that's a statement y'all are making. Like, that's not like, you almost expect to be like, Oh, welcome home to heaven. And it's like, you might've just gone out of existence. And I love mm-hmm. that they didn't necessarily make that clear. Like the end, well, that's spoiler. Forget it. Um, I love that. I think what lost me a little bit is sort of the midsection. Um, there is a, there's a, um, let's, let's say a, um, a meat suit changing switching sequence that lasts quite a while. And some of that stuff, 
got old for me. Like I, I think I got the gist. Um, and there was some time spent on things that were sort of jokey and, and that didn't really work for me, but overall, man, big, big fan of this. All right, good. I'm glad you were a fan. Let's get into spoilers so we can talk about the meat suit swap. Okay, I will press the magic button now. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay, this is effectively the danger zone for for soul. For soul excuse me. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's like we said, an hour forty nine minutes. It's a good watch. Um, and if you don't care, stick around anyways. We're gonna we're gonna spoil some stuff. Um, I don't know where to start. Maybe maybe the meat suit swapping. The meat suit swap, because that was a big pro- positive for me. That was a okay, huge yeah, pro in okay, my eyes. So, uh, the moment that jo- Jamie Foxx's character becomes embodied into a house cat, <laughs> uh, I was in. I was in. I became on board 100% for this movie. Yeah, most of it worked. Like he, Again, because there are people that haven't seen the movie, so I do want to give a little bit of context. But like, he gets excited because he thinks that Moonwind, played by Graham Norton here, um, sort of like this interdimensional dude who's still alive on earth, but like is sort of tuned into the other realms. Like he has a way of putting lost souls back in their body. The, the really, the great joke there was a, like a, a stockbroker or something that just kind of zoned mm-hmm. out in his routine, um, sends him back in his body. Jamie Foxx is like, Oh, here's my circle. I'm gonna jump in, jumps in with Tina Fey. Uh, Tina Fey gets put into Joe Gardner's body and Jamie Foxx ends up in a cat's body. Yes. So a lot of that so worked. Good. Yeah. A lot of it was really good. Um, it just went on for a pretty long time. I didn't think it went on long enough. I'd watch the whole movie sure, with Jamie Foxx's <laughs> in a cat body. It was um, so funny. Like yeah, that scene yeah. where the is the sun hits him. Oh shit, that was funny. That, That's I, funny. I don't know why. I'm so, it's just the sun. He just flops on his belly. Oh my god, I loved it. Yeah, I was actually afraid when it started that there would have been more of sort of the, um, you know, average passerby cutaways where you just hear the cat going, Row! and there were only a couple of those, right. which I thought was nice. Um, yeah. And then, and then the the case, aside from just enjoying that segment, the, the case for that portion of the movie is that, uh, you know, Joe Gardner gets to learn a bit about other people by watching how they interact with him, and like a lot well, of like his barber and his mom and all these people. Yeah, and then also twenty twos getting to yes. live and experience what life is like, right? Which is pretty big. It's a uh, important for both of them and for different reasons. Yeah, what, jumping back to the uh, the astral bridge, what I was going to say but cut myself off was that I liked that in the end of this movie, they didn't sort of tie it in a neat bow as far as the afterlife goes. Like, we never go into the great beyond and see what's behind the bright light. It's just like, well, that's not really our concern. Like, we're, we're focused on living life to the fullest, and that's even though we've kind of gone all these directions and made rules about, you know, the before time and the, the whatever, the, the place where you get personalities. Like, it, it does come back to Earth and sort of resolves by being like, Hey, I don't really know what I'm doing after I'm dead or for the rest of my life, but I am going to live my life to the fullest as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you want to spoil? If anything? Um, yeah. Like I loved the, what's his name? Moonwind. Moonwind. All that worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was nice. pretty cool. Uh, I like the way it tied up with his storyline and I like, I like the ending. I think it, it ended nicely, not necessarily with the afterlife stuff, but with just, the way the movie ended, I think it was concise and it was good. What was uh, one of my favorite scenes, I think, I want to mention it before I forget, was yeah. the scene where he's talking to his mom through the cat when he's trying to get a suit for his yeah. big gig. Yeah. That was really powerful. That was the only time in this movie where I got a little moist in the eyes. And I, I was know. just like, oof. <laughs> yeah, me too. That scene got me a little. <laughs> uh, the difference is, as I told you, like, I'm not really drinking so far this month. I'm kind of doing a dry-ish January. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I don't even have that to fall back on. Like I, I get emotional when I drink sometimes, especially with movies. And I was I was stone cold sober, and and I can't think of the line that got me at the moment. But I like I was I wasn't even I was standing up for a minute, and I was like putting a cup down in the in the kitchen, and like I just went, and I had to like suck it back down. Uh, but it was yeah, it was a I can't man I could, wish I could think of the line. But yeah, that whole scene was was really powerful with his mom. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, the last thing I want to touch on is sort of the way that this all gets started is that he's going to this audition, um, with a band. We should probably shout out Questlove here. He plays the drummer named uh, Curly in, in the movie. Um, oh, nice. And I love Questlove. the, the lead of this band is a gal named Dorothy Williams. I think she plays the, the saxophone. Um, and she's voiced by someone named Angela Bassett. You've known her from stuff. I won't spend time on that now, but what I want to point out is that I had watched the film. We'll talk about later in the show, Ma Rainey's black bottom the day before I watched soul. And so incredibly strong ties between uh, and, uh, Dorothy Williams and Ma Rainey. Like they're both these like powerful, like taking no shit from nobody at all, like band leaders. And then I of course had to draw the connection um, of Joe Gardner to Levy, the trumpet player in Ma Rainey. And there's so many great parallels and it's probably not intentional, but I couldn't help it. And I just kept picturing like, uh, what would have happened to Levy if he didn't maybe make it in that band and ended up as a school teacher. And it was this really weird meshing of worlds that I enjoyed. I know you haven't seen my Rainey's yet, so I won't spoil anything, but, uh, hopefully if anybody else has seen both of these movies, you uh, are nodding your head or, or smiling or agreeing with me out loud. But I thought it was very funny. Nice. Seemed like a good pair for this, uh, for this week's episode. Totally. Um, you got anything else in this? Um, not really, just the the general over overview that you know this was a really good, funny, enjoyable, semi serious, but with a grain of sugar type of movie. I think it's good for kids and adults. I I dug it. I think you'll like it too. Okay, then out of ten, Johnny Summers. Uh, out of ten, this is like an eight point two. Yeah, pretty great marks. Great marks indeed. Uh, for me, it's a for me it's a nine. It's real real good. Nice. I loved it a lot. I laughed. I cried. I learned all the all the things you want to do in a Disney Pixar film. And I knew that this movie was going to hit you right in the. How could it not? You know. Yeah. This is this is this is yeah. It's like this movie made for Max. It's like I'm Domhnall Gleeson and Disney Pixar was Oscar Isaac and Ex Machina, and they're like, "Come, come meet Ava, and you can see if you like her." It's like you knew I liked her. You looked at, uh, you know, my porn history. Hope somebody's seen Ex Machina. (laughs) If not, that (laughs) was super weird. I followed that. You should see Ex Machina if you have. It's oh man, so good. I think that was twenty fourteen. So good. Twenty fourteen, I think. Great year for movies. Yeah, but that was the first A twenty four movie that we really enjoyed. Is that right? Yep. Nice. That's great. That's yeah. Hard to go wrong. That that got that ball rolling. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anything else on Soul, my friend? That's it, man. I dug it. Let's put it to bed. Let's take a break then, too. Deal. If you are just tired from coming back from the afterlife and you want to get a good craft beer and some nice food, I suggest right here in Chico, The Handlebar. They have a happy hour seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They're a great local business. Johnny Summers, where are they located? Well, you take a left turn at Purgatory, turn right on East 20th Street, and park your car at 2070 East 20th Street right here in Chico, California. Again, that is The Handlebar. Go check them out. All right, so for our second and surprise third beer as a gift from the <laughs> head brewer and owner, pretty stoked on this. Yeah. We are doing the Multiverse Lives and the Multiverse Lives Raspberry. Two. This is a... Go ahead. Sorry. Whoop. You got it. This is a... This is a 
Koji beer. What is that? Well, we'll tell you. Uh, it is 5.6 ABV, and I want to say that's both of them. Yes, sir. But I, okay, cool. Uh, so Koji beer. Let's talk about it for a second. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it just from their their sandwich board type info that they have up there uh, on Multiverse Lives. This beer was brewed with barley, local oats from the Sierra Valley, wheat, Motueka hops, a special yeast strain, and our house Koji blend. Multiverse Lives pours hazy magenta in color and has notes of raspberry. That's only if you're drinking the raspberry sure, one, though, sure, folks. Sure. Uh, our Koji comes from a sake brewery in Japan and creates a citric acid on the grain as it grows. This beer takes you on a sensory journey and is quite different from normal beers. We are currently the only brewery in the world using the specific koji process that we have been developing and experimenting with for half a decade. This beer is a unique and high-end beer that will most likely end up on some beer lists uh, at some of the best restaurants in California's wine country because wine lovers love this beer. Johnny, 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 I got to stop you there. You keep saying a word that I've never heard before, and that word is... I think you said Koji. What even is Koji? Koji, Koji. <laughs> what does that mean? And I'm also so excited to hear you say this next bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Koji, better known by its scientific name as Aspergillus oryzae. Nicely done. Also known as Koji mold, is a filamentous fungus used in Japan to sacrifice rice, sweet potato, and barley in the making of alcoholic beverages such as sake, sochu, and to ferment soybeans for making soy sauce and miso. So it's super common in Asia. Okay. So I've never had a Koji beer. Have you had one? Uh, did you try these at the brewery, by the way? I had one of the original with okay. him. Um, uh, I, the, you got to give me a heads I, up. Like, what am I tasting? What am I going to taste? Uh, I don't want to because I had no idea either. <sighs> okay. I went in blind. Um, I will tell you what I told him. I've never had anything like this. Hmm. And he's like, humble brag motherfucker he's like yeah that's what Vinny said i'm like oh uh for context for people that don't know <laughs> uh Vinny from russian river yeah. i was like oh that's cool i'm glad i had the same take as one of the best <laughs> brewers in the world um yeah, yeah yeah also like you can't just throw out that like oh that's what Vinny thought right i actually saved some for him he's coming up tomorrow I'm like, okay. oh i'll miss old Vinny by tomorrow. a day yeah yeah that's like, hilarious though because it was just like a dude that he knows i'm like that's cool um but yeah, I did try the regular, not the raspberry version, and it was simply fascinating. So I want to I wanna not spoil it or tell you too much about it and let you just kind of dig in. Uh, let's revisit it together, and then we can talk about it. Oh, okay. So I've poured it. Wow. I've tasted it. And it's a, a oh, it made my mouth water. I was, I was trying to speak, and I almost couldn't. Um, wow. Okay. That's really interesting. It looks... Um, yeah, it's super, super like a hazy IPA or something. So I think mm -hmm. that was totally right in the description. I don't, man, I, I'm, yeah, I'm already so curious to try the raspberry. Um, this right? is super, uh, it's super tart, but also sweet. There's like, there's definitely some like sake notes. Like, I think I even yeah. would have picked it out had you not sort of softballed it to me or lowballed it or, you know. Whatever, underhanded it to me. Those both mean the same thing. All, all three well, of those things mean the same means, thing. Lowballed means something else. So I wanted to not leave it on that. Um, but yeah, you served it up to me on a silver platter, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sake. But even if you hadn't done that, like this is super sake, especially on the nose. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of that sort of ricey quality to it. But it's not like it's. I feel like sake is a really, if I can go with sort of shapes here, a very sort of rounded beverage, and this is much pointier than sake. This is mm -hmm. um, a sake. Uh, yeah, I got to go in for another drink. Have you tasted uh, this one out of the can today? Yes, I have 
had several drinks. Walk me through what you're going through. Well, it's like a little bit of sake on the nose for sure. And then you're getting this mouth coating tartness that is just cascades gently into this like almost fermented pear flavor. Yeah. yeah I really yes. love the amount of pear that I'm getting from this beer. It's so pleasant and it's just tart enough to be there and make your mouth water a little, but it's not overbearing in any way. It's, it's, I think just tart enough. This is so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've okay. never, do you see what I mean when I said I've never had anything like this? Yeah. 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 Um, pear for sure. Maybe some little, uh, sprinkles of like mango, some tropical stuff going on for mm-hmm. me. Um, Wow, this is really strange. I like it a lot. It it sits kind of hot. Like once I've once I've drank it, it, it feels like I'm drinking a stronger beer. Again, five point six percent here. I don't, it's not you know nothing to won't power your gas tank or anything. Yeah, but and no fruit in this beer. Yeah, that's, that's not weird. one bit of fruit. You Isn't meant, that crazy? Yeah, I think the word that you you didn't quite say when you read the description that you wrote down there was you just said ko- koji. But the word that caught my attention when when I saw it copy and pasted into our show notes was koji mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I mean, you said filamentous, filamentous fungus, but the, yeah, the idea, and there's been weird stuff put in, in all sorts of stuff like cheese is kind of a mold, but the idea mm-hmm. of using, um, basically a mold to brew a beer is probably a big part of why I've never had this before, because I don't know that I can think of any other beer that's done anything quite like that. Yeah, no, it's super unique. They have a sauna room at Ronin. He yeah. showed me, I'll post pictures on Instagram. <sighs> Perfect. Um, of this room, it's all cedar lined and it's a sauna and it's the perfect growing conditions for mold. <laughs> and they actually have these strains of, of fungus that you can like sprinkle on like barley and, and it creates this acid and it like makes the, I don't, I refer to him, email this guy. If you need more information, this yeah. is the best bastardized version I can give. Cause I'm just picturing uh, like an actual sauna room with like big sweaty, naked dudes sit and like their sweat trickles onto the wood. And then you scrape the bottom of the wood and there's your mold and you stick that in the beer. And I know that's not what it is. So I'm like, I'm a, I can't wait to see these pictures too. No, yeah, you let, well, there was no, no actual grains in there, but yeah, you can, the way they do it is they sprinkle it on like rice or grain. Yeah. And then that creates the acid. Yeah. And then you use that barley or whatever to make whatever you're making and it gives it different flavors. That's incredible. Yeah. And then he, you know, like wild open fermentation, like just ferments this and lets it do its thing. So you're getting some of the gray Eagle air in this beer too. Sure. Man. Yeah. That's, which is not something you like when I think of sort of open fermentation, my brain goes to, the Oregon coast, you know, mm-hmm. um, Degard in particular, I feel like they're sort of the, at least in my brain of the West coast, like sort of the, uh, you know, the big, the masthead of the the ship that, uh, drives wild fermentation. But this, yeah, I wouldn't think of gray Eagles, like maybe a place to even do that. Um, but it, it definitely works. I don't even think that we've said that we like this beer yet, but I'm gathering by your cadences and your tone of voice that you obviously enjoy this. <clears throat> yeah. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Very strange. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have time to, so, <laughs> that's the most confused yes no I've like ever if, heard you, out if of you could see me uh, this would be a good episode to be like zooming on but you can see me it's like i'm like squinting and like like almost like looking out of the corner i like yeah yeah i do like it like yeah. i'm almost telling a secret to like a, a fellow thief or something like yeah this is good 
Yeah. Don't tell yeah, anyone. See? <laughs> we, we had them right where we wanted them, down by the docks. Right, 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 you see? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but I'm equally enjoying it, and if not, maybe even more so on the other end, like fascinated by this. So I'm trying to sort of let those things spend 20 years married so they can divorce and then I can I can just focus on one at a time. Um, it's really good and it's so interesting. I'm not sure that I can pick them apart yet, but let's go for a sort of meat and potatoes criticism here. What do you not like about this, if anything? Um, stylistically, for me, it's just the things that I always come back to with anything like this. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it might. What do you mean me anything heartburn. like this? Well, anything sour. Okay. Anything on on the tart spectrum. I, I have a sensitivity to and like a certain, you know, that the, the uh, bacterias and whatnot that make things sour sometimes give me heartburn. Like yep. I've tried a bunch of them, like the, the lactobacillus, the Britannomyces. Yep. They all kind of do the same thing. So that would be my own critique. Only critique really sure. is that it just and it's purely style and personal preference. But um, I'm really digging the level of tartness compared to the crazy fruity vibes that you get with no fruit actually being present to mm. me that's bonkers yes. that's crazy pants uh, i cannot wait to try the raspberry version i taking everything i have not to take a drink of that but um i love we've been doing this for so long and i can probably count the amount of times i've been really surprised by a beer and maybe two hands uh yes. that it's just like wow this is i've never had anything like this before and I've said it a few times in the past four years, but beers like this remind me why we do this show. Yeah. Like, dude, I've never had anything like this. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It's truly like a unique beer experience. And I was blown away. Like, it was so fun getting to try this with him for the first time. And he got to see my reaction. He's yeah, like, yeah. I know, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, he knows what he did. Charlie. Did he just did he just pour it and then like elbows on the bar, like head in his hands, just kind of stare at you? <laughs> uh no, we were both we were all drinking it. We we yeah. poured a can around and we were trying it and he's like, So what do you think? And I'm like, you know, I wow, I'd never had anything like that. Man, can you just imagine completely. if it were bad? Oh yeah. Would you have sucked? It? Probably. <sighs> I, I mean, you have to. Been like, yeah, man, I'm not I don't think this is my thing, but <laughs> It was really easy to give a genuine yeah. answer to him because it's tremendous and it's so surprising and unique, like unbelievably unique. Uh, and this is just the non-fruited version with so much fruit. I can't wait to try the raspberry. Well, yeah. Anyways, so before we before we stop with this one, I, I'm gonna because I still have about a half of the can, half the pint can left, and I also love the can design. By the way, we didn't talk about this, but it's like this soft sort of blue. With um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I bet you that's Koji. Um, but if you've never seen Koji like me, and I could be wrong. Um, there's like four concentric circles. The top maybe quarter of it is a metallic silver with an almond shaped coppery tone in the middle. And there's like speckled space dust around it, which I feel is a pretty accurate description. Actually. Um, my point is I've got about half that left. So I'm going to pour that into my first glass. And I think we should open the second one, put them literally side by side, um, and compare how they look and then probably how they smell and taste. What do you think? Agreed. I already have. I'm ready. I've got my, I had my side by side poured. You son of a bitch. Okay. Yep. (laughs) I uh, told you, I said, I'm going to grab two glasses and pour a side-by-side. No, I don't mean to, I didn't know you were pouring it yet, but yeah, fair enough. I, oh, get, yeah. I get the gist. Okay, so this looks more like a fruited kettle sour or something. Like, this is incredibly pink. Magenta, they had it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wow, okay. It reminds me of, yeah, or like a frambois, maybe? Interesting. Okay. I suppose- Oh, it you, smells so good. You've sat on this for so long. Yeah, you should probably do the honors and go first, but what, what are you smelling? 
Raspberries, perhaps. <laughs> oh, you tasted it as well. I'm guessing. Oh, that's tremendous. Oh, tremendous. Oh, it's tremendous. <laughs> oh man, you get you get this nose of just raspberry like hard candy. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, I like this so much more than the first one. That's insane. How do I like this? Oh, oh my that's god. Wild. Yeah, it's we've Dude. done we've done this. We've said this before. Um and I'm going to think of the brewery right now. Our friend of the show John Wallen gave us a few of these. Help me out. It is New uh, Glarus. New Glarus, of course. Yeah, the raspberry tart. Um, mm-hmm. We said it of that beer, and I will say it of this one. It's it's like your grandma's house, annoying, terrible sound raspberry candies, right? With like the mm-hmm. gooey middle, like the hard gusher. Um, this is like, yeah, this is those raspberry candies. Man, that's a good that's a good flavor, dude. That's incredible. Like it has everything I like about the first one, and it seems like the edges are even softer. And this one's just this is poundable. And real good. Oh, see, okay. So I, I agree that it, uh, it's very, very good. Um, where I'm sort of docking it preemptively is that it actually covers up a lot of that interesting Koji stuff that I really liked about the first one. And mm. this, the fact that this reminded me of that new Glarus beer is, is it's still super good, but um, not nearly as um, eye grabby or, or attention grabbing, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Well, see, now here's what's fun. You can go back and forth. Yeah, right. I haven't done that so, yet. You, yeah. So you've gone back and forth. I just tried the original, and yeah, it's so much more like it has that the funk. What I now know as a koji flavor. Mm. Man, it's, Which, yeah, that's that's a trip going back because it is like there's like there's that weird sort of musty funkiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. and a lot of that gets taken away or or kind of masked maybe by the raspberry. Yes, boy, they're they're both tremendously delicious in yeah. different ways. Um. How weird is it to just like all of a sudden we have a new flavor and like, oh, I'm getting Koji notes. Like what? Right, 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 right. Cause yeah, this this Koji beer, the the just the the unbastardized with fruit version is so unique and like such a new thing in my brain. Like when you and it's pleasurable. It's a delicious flavor, but it's so strange when your brain registers something new for the first time. Yeah. Like, especially yeah. flavor, like, that's why traveling's important, but that's a whole nother sentence. Like, yeah, man, just like a new flavor in beer that works and is not artificial, and it's just a new inventive way to incorporate something that exists in the world into something that also exists in the world. It's like a, a interesting, like, Asian fusion beer, you know? Yeah. Except it's not pandery and... and like terribly insulting <laughs> yeah, to all cultures involved. It's not called uh, seppuku. Is that what is seppuku? That's when you commit suicide. Yeah. What's Harry Carey? It's also. What's Bukaki? Uh, <laughs> stop. No. One time I did accidentally say that when I meant to say seppuku, uh, <laughs> but the crowd didn't get it. So there's my grandma. So it's fine. Or, oh, it's, or yeah. it's awful. Or your grandma's like just starts blushing. <laughs> Nobody go Googling. Um, my God. These are great. They're both great. <laughs> They're delicious. Uh, and I like them both. Would you say that you like the raspberry more? That's tough. You yeah. know, it's really fun doing the side by side. I Thanks again, Charlie. I, I'm pretty sure you're listening. Um, really cool opportunity to be able to have them side by side. It's tough. I... Oof, I like them both, but for different reasons. Yeah. I think I like the raspberry more. 
Okay. See, okay. So I like the, the standard more. Okay. I, they're both so good, but yeah, like, I mean, I'm going to flip my original argument about that Pilsner around. Like this is a style that is like, whoa, this is super cool and unique. I was saying I wouldn't normally get fired up about a Pilsner, but you throw me a beer based with a Japanese mold and it's good. You got me. Let's do it. So yeah, right. I, you got the, you got the wow factor. You got the fun flavors. Um, and I've learned some stuff, which is sort of like a, a template of my best type of day. So I'm, I'm super happy. They're both good, but yeah, the, uh, the standard multiverse lives is, is where I'm at. Nice. I think they're both good for different reasons. And like, I've, I think it's pretty documented on the show that I like tart beers to be like jammy with yep. some fruit. I yep. think it was yep. like within the last couple episodes, I brought that back up. I think so too. Um, and this raspberry one is is checking all the boxes to my personal preference. Yeah, I think a sour purist and someone that really appreciates different cultures and different yeasts and different things is gonna really appreciate this. Like I know a couple dudes that make amazing mixed culture beers that would love to like try this. Yes, um, and that they would totally geek out on that. But for me, like I love and appreciate the original. And I think it's absolutely world class, and I will be buying more of it when I can. But I think there, I prefer the raspberry just for, just for my taste. It adds that just jammy, delicious fruitiness and takes away a bit of that sourness. It's it's yeah. more what I like and less of what I don't. So that one just falls in line with with my taste profile for sure. Yeah, in, in agreement with you, I would say that if I was if I were to buy, let's say, if I had to pick between a four pack of both, I would go raspberry because because okay. there is something uh, pretty aggressive about that flavor. And I don't know that I'd drink more than one of them, you know? Um, yeah. cause it does get, yeah. Like even me and I'm not, um, necessarily as sensitive to the heartburn stuff and the acidity, but mm-hmm. after one of those, like, I think that's, that's probably enough. Somebody find me some Tums and something a little <laughs> bit softer, but it's so good, man. Like, um, it's just so interesting and fun. Um, this, these were great. Great job, by the way. Didn't say that to you this week, but way to, way to make it happen. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I had a really fun time going on the trip. Uh, it was great to get out of town. Uh, it was a good day trip. I actually went to my favorite spot to eat in, well, one of them in Quincy. Went mm. to Quincy Natural Foods, so I got to go in there, and they they make these amazing sandwiches shout with like fresh out. L- local baked bread. So shout out Quincy Natural Foods. Yeah. You're the business. Um, I love that place. But I'm gonna take you there, and we're gonna get sandwiches and and. It's going to be great. Podcast field trip. I love it. Yeah, man. It's, let's do it. Um, okay. Uh, How do you, let's let's rate these, yeah? Yeah. Do you want to do them individually? Yeah. Or do you want to? Okay. So let's go. Let's go. Uh, I suppose base beer first. Let's go the, the standard non-raspberry multiverse lives first. Out of 10, how you landing? Uh, that's a 9.1. Damn. Really? Okay, great. I can't wait to hear the next yeah. one. Um, okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a nine. Yeah. Same, same as the first man. It's incredibly well made. Um, and so interesting for all the reasons I've just said, I very fun. Yeah. It's flat nine for me. Very great beer. What about mm-hmm. the raspberry version? Well, the raspberry version is better. This is going to be one of the highest rated two beers in yeah. a show. I think I've ever done. Yeah. Um, this, this brewery dude, this guy's blowing my mind. Like these, this liquid is there. Um, I'm so the base beer I love. Yep. You you went and made it better and more suited to my personal tastes. You made this beer a nine seven nine point damn seven. Just insane. 
it's insane. This beer is the epitome of something that I want in a sour. And it's also so unique with that Koji flavor. It's so fun and original. And I guarantee you, if you get your hands on this and you share it with people that appreciate these styles of beer, you will knock their socks off. Uh, because like me, like them, probably they've never had anything like this. So how lucky are we that we get to say that and we get to try these beers all the time, like new stuff. I love this, man. I love this brewery. Really, really, Doug Charlie. And I'm super stoked to get you up there. Uh, overall, I'm super high on all these beers and the spot and the guy. Let's uh, let's imbibe in more of these beers together with him. Is the missing point three because of the acidity and the heartburn factor? Probably always. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's a 10 out there. Like there's a, I mean, this is as close to a perfect sour as I've ever rated probably. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, the raspberry for me is a solid eight. Um, it's yeah. It's just the wow factor of the Koji fungus is, is so cool. Um, and I love the raspberry, but I do think it, it does a disservice to the original beer, uh, a little bit, but it's so drinkable. And I would, if I had to drink a bunch, I would prefer the raspberry. They're both delicious. I can't complain, you know, good enough, man. Good enough. Okay. Johnny Summers, let's move right along into a film that I watched this week that I'm I'm in the course of our discourse going to very much encourage you to watch. I know you haven't seen it, so we're not going to spoil it in this conversation. It's a film called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's available on Netflix and I would love to play you a trailer for it. A one, a two, a you know what to do. This would be an empty world without the blues. I try to take that emptiness and fill it up with something. But they want to call me Mother Blues. That's all right with me. It don't hurt none. <laughs> Where's the, uh, the horn player? I got a friend. Come on, Levy. You rehearse like everybody else. I'm going to get me a band and make me some records. I know how to play real music, not this jug band shit. You call that playing music? I know what I'm doing. Go on and fire me, I don't care. When I got there, they began to say. That's to get the people's attention. That's when you and Slow Drag come in with the rhythm part. Me and Cutler play on the break. Levy, the sooner you understand it, and what you say is what my say to count. <laughs> we'll be ready to go in 15 minutes. We'll be ready to go when Madam says we're ready to go, and that's the way it go around here. These records are gonna be hits. Every colored man in the world got to do his part. I'm gonna tell the white man just what he can do. They don't care nothing about me. All they want is my voice. About them songs I give you. They're not the right songs. That'll take them off your hands for you. I got my time coming to me. You don't know nothing about what kind of blood I got, what kind of heart I got beat here. Come on. Come on! Bunker Paul, we got that boy. Okay, again, that's a trailer for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's a film directed by George C. Wolfe, who has a rich history in theater and sort of sort of new to film 
ish. Um, it's a film with a screenplay by Ruben Santiago Hudson based on the play by August Wilson. And I noticed this while I was watching it. We covered a film called Fences back in, I believe, 2016. Mm-hmm. And it was another film based on a play by August Wilson. He had a series of nine or 10 plays um, about uh, African-Americans living in early 20th century America. And as I watched this movie, I think like 20 minutes in, I was like, you know, like 20 bucks. This is based on August Wilson. And then I saw the Denzel Washington production credit, um, who, if you don't know, was sort of slated in a deal with HBO to produce all nine or 10 of those plays into films. And um, that sort of shifted over over the past little bit. But this film. Wait, need- so is he still doing that? Yeah, he was. I, I actually don't know. Um, I think it was. Because I didn't know that. Yeah. At, at one point he was, I think it was either going to be a mini series or like a short film thing. I'm not totally sure where that is now, but it seems like there's still, oh man, I wish I, I had, had an article in front of me, but I, I don't see it now. So I will say I don't know, but I hope so. Okay. Um, be cool. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom stars Viola Davis, who won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in Fences um, as Ma Rainey. Chadwick Boseman um, in a swan song of a performance. This is his last. It was um, filmed and then he passed away and then it was released. He plays Levy. Uh, he's a trumpet player in this band led by Ma Rainey. It also stars Glenn Turman as Toledo, the pianist, Coleman Domingo, who looked so damn familiar to me. And I had to look it up, but he was in If Beale Street Could Talk. He was one of the fathers who you and I were both like, great performance. We loved that. Oh, that movie was so good. And another person to note in the cast is a fellow named Jack Davidson. He plays Irvin, who is uh, a notably white guy, who is Ma Rainey's manager. I also want to give a quick shout out to the cinematographer, Tobias Schleisler. There's some great camera work in this movie that we'll probably touch on. This came out on Netflix on December 18th, and it runs just over an hour and a half at 94 minutes long. Uh, Johnny, this is one that I picked. I know you haven't seen it, so I wanted to throw it to you to see if you wanted to lead a discussion. Any questions you want to, you want to ask me, I would love to answer. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start off with, uh, can I have your overall thoughts and impressions? Yeah. Uh, gorgeous film. Um, it, it takes you back to the 1920s. I think it's the, I think it's the twenties. It might be, no, it's not the thirties. It's the twenties. Um, like the the sheer world building, I'm, I'm pulling out my notes here because I wanted to make sure I don't miss anything. But I think the first thing I wrote in my notes was just like, man, like just a gorgeous version of Chicago. Most of this movie takes place um, in one building in two locations, the the recording studio itself and sort of the rehearsal green room space in the basement. Um, so we spend a lot of time sort of kind of breathing the musty air of this sort of skeezy. It's not skeezy. Um the walls themselves, but sort of the infrastructure itself. It's, it's all African-American band and uh, two white dudes behind the recording console, which if you know anything about the history of jazz or blues music in this case, um, n- white people, not a great track record for uh, giving black people credit. <laughs> um, and as somebody who, uh, you know, majored in, in production, music production in, in college, like I have a sort of understanding of that, I think more than the average person. So the moment we kind of see the band enter this studio space. I'm just like, shit, like this is, it's not going to go great for anybody. Um, and all that's amplified by, I think two pretty strong bookend performances. Chadwick Boseman, um, is, is obviously amazing in this. And, and Viola Davis is incredible. I didn't recognize her at first cause she's so done up in this really intense makeup. She's playing the real life figure Ma Rainey, uh, referred to as the mother of the blues. And it was just a good movie, man. Like it has all of the beats of, of a proper theater play. Like George C. Wolf really, you can tell like his theater 
pass and, and experience really shines through here. There's great camera work. It's all blocked really well. And man, it, I just loved it. It's so good. It's for sure going to be in my top 10, uh, 2020 movies. I, I liked it a lot. Excellent. I am definitely going to be looking into watching this then. That's crazy. It's already in your, your top list for last year. Yeah. Um, I do have some notes, uh, here in front of me. Sure. I really am interested in the, um, costume design. Their mm. outfits are fantastic. I know. <laughs> like, my goodness, they all just have like the most amazing clothes. Um, do you know who did the the costume design or did you want to comment on that? Yeah, I was so close to writing it down in my journal here. I don't have it in front of me, but I had the exact same impression. I texted a friend who is all about like period pieces and loves costumes. Um, and yeah, it caught my eye, man. It, it goes in line with the world building stuff. Like, cause there's also a ton of close up shots in this and you get to see every little fabric that these outfits are made of in there there's just been so much thought and effort put into them. And, and it shows through in, in almost everybody's outfit, even the extras you see them just like walking by reading newspapers. Like pff, it, it takes you into that time period. So flawlessly. I love it. Excellent. All right. So how do you think the uh, Denzel had much of a hand? Like he's, was he executive producer? Was he just producer? Yeah. I, um, I think he was listed as executive producer. Um, I don't know to what extent, um, he really had his hand in this. Um, I might look it up real quick, but no, for, yeah, okay. for idiots okay. like me, what, what is a producer's role? Like, as opposed to a director or like an executive producer, do you have that information in your brain? Yeah. So an executive, well, it can go a couple of ways as far as I understand it. Um, an executive producer, especially in like modern stuff is often like the bankroll guy. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's almost to me feels like a, like a, uh, you know, like a, a recognition credit sometimes. Like it's like, Hey, I, I paid for this movie. Really? I didn't know that. Um, and, and producers are, are much more sort of like, um, you know, like day to day and have to do with the planning. They're not necessarily as powerful as like a director or an editor or a cinematographer, but they, they handle stuff on the set and they deal with all the people. Whereas like, if you think of it as like a tier, like an executive producer is like near the top, they deal with like the suits and legal and all that shit. And then like the producers are like down on the ground level with the actors and the directors and everything, like kind of making sure it almost feels like a producer, sort of an offshoot, like a, a little wiggling finger of the producer or the executive producer is okay. my understanding. And it could be wrong, but I think I'm close. Interesting. And then, so like a producer would work pretty closely with the director. For sure. Yeah. We should, we should really look into that as far as like, we read all these names in the credits, yep. but I'd like to really know more about their roles because I I feel like that would lend itself to insights as far as how much of Denzel's fingerprint are we seeing on this, totally. or did he bankroll it, or like you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, I I personally just to speak for myself, am fairly uh, ignorant about the roles other than like director and editor. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just watch the movies. I don't I don't want to. I mean, I don't know how the sausage is made, man. <laughs> I just. I don't know who makes the sausage and whose job is to, you know, whatever. So let's uh, let's put a pin in that. Let's try and, and learn a bit more. That'd yeah, we should fun. we should call that a, a Patreon bonus. We can we can do sort of a, a beginner's guide to like how movies are made, like who who makes the movies, you know? Yeah, and I'll be the dumb, slightly drunk beginner. I'm sure you and me both, man. There's there's so many levels to the movie world. It's you know Well, that'd be a fun way to expand our brains and probably make us better at what we do. So let's, 100%. let's do that. Let's rip it. Um, so 
any outstanding performances like you mentioned Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman, um, any anybody else really stand out in this movie? Yeah, and again, I don't want to spoil this because you haven't seen it yet, but but a very very strong. Please watch this as soon as you can. But um, there's the character I mentioned, Toledo, is played by Glenn Turman, and he's the pianist in this group. And we spend, I would say, slightly more than half the movie down in this rehearsal space, and it's the band, and Chadwick Boseman is. Um, kind of the rebellious, like, I, Hey, I'm like, I'm young and I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna start my own band. And like very uncharacteristic of other roles I've seen him in, but Glenn Turman in particular as the pianist is sort of like the oldest fella in the group. And he, he kind of knows his role there and like, doesn't like to ruffle feathers and it's very wise. Um, and he does a really good job. He's got a, a monologue in particular that, um, is paired with a montage that kind of subverts the way that the movie opens, which I also wanted to shout out. There's, um, I don't know. It's probably like a minute and a half sort of thing during the opening credits where you get these full screen shots of old newspaper pictures. They're black and white. Um, I think they even zoom in at one point. So, you know, it's a newspaper. Um, and then all of a sudden, like one person in that picture will like turn their head and you realize, Oh, it's not, it's not a picture at all. It's a, it's a person. Uh, it's a, it's a video and they're, they're moving. And there's a bunch of these, uh, clips. And later in the movie, um, Glenn Turman Toledo has this great monologue and, it cuts back to that sort of thing, but they're no longer, uh, they're no longer black and white pictures. They're modern day pictures of, of black people. And his, his monologue is all about how the African-American culture and people are, are sort of the leftovers of, um, of, I can't remember the way he phrases it, but it's this gorgeous, like two and a half, three minute thing where he's just talking about it. And oh, man, it's so good. Um, he does a great, like he gets teary eyed and he just, he really lays it all out. Glenn, I don't think he's gotten enough credit, at least in stuff that I've read. He does a fantastic job as Toledo. Nice. Very cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, one last question just because of the, the playwright. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did this strike as dramatic and serious of a note as did fences or was this more of a lighthearted experience no 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 uh not a lighthearted experience no okay because um, the trailer makes it look i know quite quite jovial and celebratory so if you're you're getting into a drama here then huh yeah i don't i i don't want to draw too much because i could just sound like an idiot but um it does sort of seem like that's that's sort of the underlying messages um message is um the only time there's really any joy or happiness in this movie is when the music is happening. And that's okay. very little screen time. I, I you know, um, like, I mean, it takes place in a recording studio and there's rehearsals, but so much of the time is spent like bickering about like what version of the song to play. Or, um, at one point Ma Rainey has her nephew who has a pretty debilitating stutter. He's going to come in and do the intro to the song Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oof. And the intro is, um, uh, it's not gonna be quite right, but like, ladies and gentlemen, you've, you've seen the rest. Now here's the best. Ma Rainey's going to show you her black bottom. And what actually makes for one of the most comedic montages in the whole film, like you have the, the two dudes up in the, the booth trying to get the, the plate down for the recording so they can just call it. And he keeps stuttering and Ma Rainey's not having it. She's like, look, he's, he's doing the part. I told his mother he could do it. He's going to do it. I don't, I don't think there's, she doesn't say fuck, but that's what she's saying. Like, I don't give a fuck what you guys think. Like you need me here. I make all of you money. You're going to do what I say. I don't care how it makes you feel. Um, she's very off putting at first. And then, uh, well, no spoilers. Um, anyways, um, it's a great montage. They're like constantly throwing out discs and she's just like going to get it right. Um, and he finally gets it, but it's a, it's a great, it's a great little bit. What was your question? 
Uh, drama, Fences. Is it as serious? Because to me, Fences was good, but it was a tough watch. Yes. This, yeah. Is oh, this right. better than Fences? Or was this more serious? Was it more enjoyable? How does it compare? Right. What I was saying is that the music is the fun part, right? And then all around mm-hmm. it is, is, is like this really intense stuff where it seems like a lot of sort of inner anger these people and and most of them are fine it's certainly ma rainey and levy that are sort of putting out their aggression in different ways against in levy's case the wrong people and in ma rainey's case probably the right people but the the sort of people that catch the shrapnel are her bandmates and her um her girlfriend um but no it's it's i'd say it's a more fun watch than fences but once the uh sort of through lines of all the themes and messages set in it's like I don't know, man. Um, I think what sort of kind of solidified my scent on the trail of August Wilson is, um, I mean, amongst the obvious, like struggle of African-American people in, in early America is like, I remember so specifically in fences, there was, uh, I think his name was Gabriel. Um, and he was Denzel Washington's character's neighbor. Um, and aside from his name, just being Gabriel, like the angel, there were a lot of like heaven and hell and sort of, parallels to that and how people's experiences on earth, which is another great way it ties into soul, uh, are parallels to that. And there's some of that here. Like there's a, there's a door that Chadwick Boseman really wants to open literally a door he wants to open in the rehearsal space. Um, and it's locked and I can't say more than that cause you haven't seen it, but there's a lot of themes that were like, Oh yeah, this is, this is on par for August Wilson stuff. Um, okay. and a lot of the stuff as opposed to fences where I think it was a little bit easier to suss out here. It's like, a little bit more abstract, but which I think is open interpretation. But if you land where I landed, it's like, this, it's kind of dark, you know, it's not, yeah, not, not a, not an easy thematic watch, but a fun watch during the time until you process. I hope I answered you. Okay. Question. Yeah. And definitely just curious about what to expect. All right. So obviously you think everyone should watch this. Oh, Max, I would like you to rate this movie. Sure. And then we will put it to bed. Sure. Yeah. Hard nine. Really, really great. Really great movie, man. Um, Okay. Yeah, it was tough to like try to separate the idea of Chadwick Mosbin now that he has passed away. Like, you do want to root for him. So I, I, I still think I'm not speaking incorrectly. Like, it's a really good performance. Um, He, he's just he embodies a character that I've never seen him do before. Like, his most obviously prominent is is King uh, T'Challa from from Black Panther, right? And he's very like he's very leadery and and statuesque and like sort of a, a strong pillar. And he's he's like that in a lot of his roles. Um, and here he's just like this sort of like giddy, cocky, bouncy dude. Um, and like dangerous at times and scary, but also kind of charismatic. It, it's a it's a great performance. Um, it, yeah, man, it's so good. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard night. Great performances. I, I love what it's about. It's, 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 it's tough, but it's a, it's a, it's a great piece of art for sure. Excellent. I'm going to check it out. It sounds really good. Okay. Uh, if you would like to check it out, sir, and anybody else it's on Netflix, it's again, an hour and a half long. I'd love to hear what you think. Um, I will wager that Johnny, you'll watch it before next week and we can hear your take on it. But until then, uh, let's get to your favorite part of the show. Hot and bothered, shall we? It's one of my favorite parts. Fair, yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like it quite a bit. It's real fun. So I get to talk about all the fun stuff I've been doing. I think the through line of Hot and Bothered this week is how much fun I had going to Ronan Fermentation. Yeah, probably. Uh, that's 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 <laughs> going to be a through line of yeah. Hot, if you haven't picked up on it. That was yeah. a great time, and uh, it turned out to be some fantastic beer. But I am returning to a familiar format all that right. Max kind of chided me last week for abandoning, and 
you know, I chided myself. There's so much chiding going on. I just, I just couldn't stand any more chiding. So, <laughs> uh, we're back to uh, my hot this week is an album and a movie. And you put the album first. I did. Album. You seem to always want the album first. We just started it, and then you were putting movie first. You're like, which one do you want first? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Album. We did album once, and now we're doing like yeah. a fifth time. So, uh, what have you been listening to? Uh, so my favorite album of the last about week and a half is an album called Pedals for Armor. Uh, from Haley Williams. It is the first solo record from Haley Williams who rose to fame as the front woman of the kind of like post-pop punk, post-pop punk band uh, Paramore. I'm in the business of misery. Oh, man. There's like two songs that I know, but they're good songs. Uh, they're fantastic. And yeah. they've they've had a really long career as well. The songwriting in Paramore has evolved and like the newest record was like a full-on like 90s record. Cool which was really interesting, but Pedals for Armor is her first solo album, and it is really fantastic. For me, she's always been an amazing songwriter, but this really shows through with her uh, personality and just a strong female songwriter writing really great songs that are somewhere between like acoustic-y rock with like bits of electronic. This record really runs the gamut genre wise it's it's labeled as just like alternative but i think there's there's so much more nuance to it it's it's a really unique record in the songwriting uh and i really just love hearing more about her point of view yeah and like there's definitely an arc of like going through some stuff uh you have songs that are very filled with rage that are very sad that are very happy like it's really interesting to see that the kind of the overall arc of this record it, it definitely uh reads as kind of like a, a personal diary of of an album and i i enjoyed it quite a bit i've been listening to it a lot in the last two weeks it actually came out in may of 2020 so i'm a little bit late to the yeah. game but it came across my youtube feed some acoustic sessions she did for songs from it so that led me on the rabbit trail backwards to discover this record nice so uh yeah it's a lot more heartfelt than i mean paramore was always pretty uh heartfelt but this seems to be more of like a grown-up yeah approach to songwriting than like probably the paramore you're familiar with so um i would put her up there with you know i love fiona apple's new record holy shit have you heard that no i haven't dude it's so good so it's like uh, yeah, I love her songwriting and I love Haley Williams songwriting as well. So you should check both those albums out, but okay. definitely check pedals, pedals for armor, Haley Williams. Great. What else you got? Uh, I just watched a movie while we were on our little, like between Christmas and new year's break. Mm -hmm. It was called death to 2020. Okay. It came out on Netflix. Uh, what day did it come out specifically? December 27th. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's basically, uh, a year retrospective That's uh, as far as just looking back, <laughs> but it stars the likes of Samuel L. Jackson, Hugh Grant, Lisa Kudrow, Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, did I say Kumail. that right? Yeah, you did. Uh, Tracy Ullman and Leslie Jones. There's so many great, uh, Lawrence Fishburne narrates the whole thing. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking documentary. Is that right? It's, it's like documentary slash mockumentary slash because they have all these like quote unquote experts like yeah. commenting like Lisa Kudrow plays like a far right uh, politician commenting on the year's activities and like Samuel L. Jackson's just 
Samuel L. Jackson, I think. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Kumail Nanjiani plays a uh, tech billionaire. Like it's somewhere between com- comedy and like a year recap. Yeah. So it's, it's this kind of fun way to look back at the year and like kind of poke fun at it. But also for me, a few times I was like, holy shit, that also happened this year. Right. You know, like yeah. thinking back to like, oh yeah, Australia burned down. Uh, like, Tiger whoa. King. Tiger King. There's yeah. just so much, man. It's not good. <laughs> um, and some of it felt a bit too soon. Like, yep. yeah, okay, I get it. But like, it was really entertaining and funny overall. So I'd recommend it if you want a good watch. I mean, it's it's a tight 80. Okay. That's nice. I'm sorry. It's a tight 70. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Easy yeah. watch. Uh, yep. Was it? So how did you feel when it was over? Um, Fine. Okay. entertained for okay, sure great. it made me giggle a lot it was like how i wish the news was okay <laughs> sure like, a little funny definitely ridiculous not taking itself seriously but yeah, it was an interesting idea to like make this retrospective yeah okay um, but i think it, it was worth a watch just for like the star power in it sure there was some funny moments so yeah it's, it's worth a check out uh, uh yeah if it's if it still feels too soon yep don't watch it great uh again that's death 2020 on netflix i can't not take that nice segue i don't know that you did it on purpose there's no way you could have but you said star power which is a great segue into a film that i watched that i had never seen from the year 2004 it's called the life aquatic with steve zissou so good yeah it's by uh writer director wes anderson in this case uh help writing from noah bombach who has done um Several things that we've covered on the show, including Marriage Story and The Meyerowitz Story is New and Selected, um, Francis Ha, others. Um, and this is, I mean, I guess I'll start since I took that segue with the cast. It's got Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Kate Blanchett, Angelica Houston, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, many others. Um, and if you're not somehow familiar with Wes Anderson, um, in the same vein of things we've covered on the show, we did uh, we did Isle of Dogs. We have covered, um, I don't think we did Moonrise Kingdom somehow. Um, Didn't we do the Grand Budapest Hotel? I don't think so. This was just before our time. And I, I'd be really fun to do a Wes Anderson retrospective. Um, but yeah, Grand Budapest is a great example of his stuff. The Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore, both Ugh. of those kind of put him on the map. Um, I love his movies so much. The Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I've never seen, but I've heard so many great things and I'm waiting for the right opportunity to watch it. But I did watch The Life Aquatic. It's something that's kind of been on my radar. Uh, no pun intended, I suppose. Um, and it's all about Bill Murray's character, who is Steve Zissou. He is an oceanographer slash documentarian who <laughs> he, like has, has explored sort of deep water of his career and, and and lately sort of has sort of you know kind of fizzled out. And his his best friend and um you know documentary partner has just been eaten by what he is calling a jaguar shark. And he releases <laughs> this documentary where which climaxes with his partner getting murdered at sort of this esteemed uh, film screening and then it ends and the movie sets off with him sort of going out on a second part two adventure and uh, trying to find the shark. Um, It's a very silly premise. It's very much a Wes Anderson film. It's not necessarily the neatest or um, in my opinion, most cohesive of Anderson's work, but it's very good. And I think it's aged pretty well. Um, I don't know that it would hold up next to something like the Royal Tenenbaums or even the Grand Budapest, but it's true to form for Anderson, which is to say, um, stylistically, um, it's, it's got that vibe to it. If you've seen his work, you'll know it. I think Bill Murray does a pretty good job here. There's some stuff that didn't work for me. I won't spend too much time on this because we are just in hot and bothered, but 
I think you should watch it if you haven't seen it. Johnny, it sounds like you've definitely seen it. You'd like it. Uh, when's the last time you saw The the Life Aquatic? Uh, within the last six months. Oh, is that right? What inspired that? Yeah. Uh, I think it just came up. Like they put it on Hulu and it was in that, that like category yeah. of like movies for you. And I'm like, yep, I love Bill Murray. Bill yeah. Murray all over the place. Yeah, it's 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 really good, man. Um, Bill Murray is such an interesting actor, especially in this movie, because the character sucks. Like he's this weird sort of liar slash homophobe slash misogynist. And he does, I think, manage to redeem himself by the end. But uh, a big part of that is Bill Murray's sort of Murrayness. Mm-hmm. And never has to have Jeff Goldblum in a movie. And Willem Dafoe, everybody's pretty good in this. Um, and it's just such an over-the-top kind of... Yeah, it's a Wes Anderson movie, uh, and it's great. And I was really stoked to finally catch up with it. Nice. Hell yeah. I'm glad you watched it. I love that movie. Then very lastly, I think I mentioned this last week when we had sort of our uh, gentleman's agreement, and I'm apparently not a gentleman, though by the time this episode posts, I will have fulfilled my promise of posting a video of the song that you, uh, that's right, what phrase this, you donated money to my tour campaign in exchange for me recording, singing and recording this song. Uh, it's a song. What year was that? <laughs> 2018. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not good at this, but I appreciate you reminding me because I've been spending time, um, working on musical projects in my, in my little studio here. It's sort of got a semi-permanent vocal mic that's set up. That's not the one that I'm talking on. So when I get a wild hair, I can just start recording stuff and I could have finished it today. I could have been able to brag and be like, Hey, I told you I did it. Um, but I wanted to add some more layers and I wanted to do it justice. Cause it's been, you know, two years. Um, so if you're interested in seeing what two years of uh, preemptive work will get you, you can follow me on Instagram at Max Minardi Music, and you can see probably my latest video. It's a song by Coheed and Cambria. Cambria? Cambria. Cambria. Yeah. Called Wake Up. Uh, it's an acoustic version, and um, it's a song that I have grown to love. I prob- I've only heard the acoustic version at this point, um, but it's a very sweet song, and I'm even though I'm taking kind of my own stab at it, I hope uh, you like it, my friend. Um, but even if you don't, please tell me you do. Because it hurts my feelings if you don't. Fair enough. And that's what's and got ex- me hot and bothered. <laughs> Excellent. And I expect to see that on your YouTubes as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I forget about YouTube. You should. Yeah, because then I can send it to people. You can like, look what no, my friend did for me. That's a good point. Okay, I'll put it on YouTube for you. Good. You should put it on YouTube for you. I don't care. I don't care about myself enough. I'll put it on there for you. That's fine. Good enough. Somebody's got to care about you. End of show notes for me. Um, I suppose we'll throw this out there. If you get to us before... Um, let me pull up a calendar. If you get to us before, let's say mm, the 11th of January, you can consider yourself having a slight percentage of a vote. We're working on movies to cover next week. And we're between the following four promising young woman, the painter and the thief wolf walkers, which is animated and looks great. And Kajillionaire. If you have thoughts on any of those or want us to cover one more than the other, let us know at the moment we are undecided. It'll be a production meeting, but if you want to weigh in, let us know additionally. And always, if there's a brewery, we should cover that. Maybe we haven't covered before putting out new good stuff. Email us fhccast at gmail.com. Uh, Johnny, you want to give socials one more time in case people want to know, uh, at fresh hop cinema, pretty much everywhere that yeah. matters. Uh, fresh hop Email us at fhccast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or give us money, patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Oh, yeah. Literally every dollar. It's so, so helpful. Um, and we just really appreciate it. Mostly we like people to listen to our bonus chatterings. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, this show wouldn't be what it is without Bailey Minardi. Uh, you got anything else, my friend? Nope, that's it. I look forward to next week's episode with a mystery brewery that I can't remember the name of. So you'll be surprised <laughs> just like me. All right, dude. I'll talk to you next week. Report to 
This is Fresh Hop Cinema.